0: one today. This People are gonna, gonna think you keep candy in there for her or something. Okay. Huh? People are gonna think you keep candy in there for her. Like checking your pockets. I don't know why it keeps doing. Hi Flat Charles. how are you? Doing that, Anastasia. Why? You don't know either, huh? Hi, Isaiah. I'm trying to get it to stop zooming in. Hi, Linda, hi. Randy. Hi, Carol. We're gonna start in about 10 minutes. I'm trying to get it to stop zooming in on me. I still can't figure that part out. Good morning. Good morning, Alicia and Tyler Roth family. Hi Dale, hi Bungie family, hi Linnae, hi Bethany. Is not available during recordings. (laughs) Uh The most common way to disable the Zoom is by using HTML tag, the attributes user scalable. Allows the device to zoom in and out. You should. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Anastasia even said, hmm. I'm not sure I'm seeing where that is, though, Randy. Oh! Hello. You waving to everybody? Say hi? Yeah, good job. Ah. Oops, be careful, you could fall. You want him down? All right, well thanks for coming and visiting. Yeah, she really wants to help all the time and I don't think it's um, normally doesn't work. Hi Audrey, hi Louise, I forgot to say hi to you I think. I'm trying to figure out the Mevo why it's zooming in but it won't. Hi, Sandy. I moved it. What if I just left it like? out all on its own and now it'll zoom in again I don't know there went hmm hi Megan I don't know hi Doris and John Well, at least I guess, well nope, that zooms in way much. I don't know. Might just have to get somebody to like come here and just hold the camera. And hold it like this. Will that allow me to do it? sent me a link this is called tech work 30 minutes before you're supposed to start Mm. yeah it's not a mobile web page though because it's a Mevo camera and so this is for if you're using a mobile web page And you're wanting to zoom in and out, but this is actually the Mevo it's a Mivo camera. Hi John Parks. Hi Ames family. We'll start in about four or five minutes here. So I actually have the video and I can control how it zooms in and out right here. And it used to be set on widescreen. And it would just stay like that and somehow it got taken off of that and I don't know how to get it back to that I don't know I don't know anyways we'll start in about three minutes and I have to play with it some more but there's the widescreen button but when I hit it it just goes right back and I don't know why I don't know if I said hi to you Aaron hi Aaron she wants to say hi to everybody again before she goes away hi can you wave to everybody can you blow them a kiss people like it when you blow them a kiss can you blow them a kiss can you blow them a kiss, them a kiss? okay it's kind of a wimpy kiss but you know I guess they'll take what they can get from you. Alright, you wanna come take her? Mommy's gonna come and take you. You Wanna go upside down, baby? Upside down, baby! Upside down, baby! Oh my goodness! All right, you guys. did right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. I've covered up my video here, so I can't see myself, which is nice. Um. you <laughs> Well, I might still zoom in on me. I don't know. Looks like it is, but maybe it's not so up close and personal. I move the camera back. All right. Well, good morning. We're glad that you've chosen to join us. Um, I did send you all a uh, bulletin via email earlier in the in the week on Sunday night. Um, pretty much all the major events for. Um, April that were physical events here at church um, Have been canceled due to the coronavirus Um, The one event that was like a church event for cleaning the church outside the church workday for the outside um, has been uh, Cancelled and we'll reschedule it once this is all over Um, otherwise um, the IRBC uh, meeting is going to be a virtual event and also, yesterday I found out that they're going to actually have the GRBC meeting also be a virtual event. So you can attend that virtually instead of attending it via. Uh, you can't hear me. Uh oh. Well, that's a problem. Not sure who can't hear me. I'll move it closer then again. And you'll just have to. You'll just have to deal with the zooming in because I don't know why it's zooming in like that. I don't really like it, but I don't have to watch it. You have to watch it. Still don't know who can not hear. Alright. Anyways, the GRBC meeting is going to be... Also held virtually um, In addition to they're still planning on meeting physically So if you're interested in attending that And weren't planning on going all the way to California Now that you can attend it uh, virtually So that's an exciting update as well Anyways, those are all the announcements that I have um, So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer And then we will we will look at First Samuel Father, we do thank you for your word We thank you for the fact that you are a good God That you are faithful to us that you can be trusted, and that you deal uh, justly with us. We pray that as we look at your word and meditate on how you uh, want us to respond to you, how you want us to live in obedience to your word, that we would be willing to uh, make adjustments that are necessary in our life, and that we would be willing to follow your commands and to uh, live after your own heart. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright, because I moved everything, I had to move my notes. Alright, so uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we'll be in verses 1 through 15 today. 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we'll be in the first 15 verses. As you think about life, and as you think about uh, the shortness of life, uh, maybe it's caused you to think about death a little bit. And as you think about death, you might think about also your tombstone and, you know, maybe what will be put on your tombstone, what you will hear about you as you die and as people come and look at your grave. What will they see there? And it brings up the whole idea of epithets. And what what is the epithet that will be said about you? As we think about different people who have been famous in the past, they have had... Different things that have been said about them, different characteristics about them that have been used for years, for centuries at times, to continue to describe them, to define who they are, to tell us this is so-and-so. And so you think maybe about Richard the Lionheart, or maybe Charles the Fat, or Charles the Bald, or Alexander the Great, or Constantine the Great. These are men who accomplished something something marvelous or something big in their time and as a result um they found some way to remember them to characterize them and so they are characterized by something that they achieved or something that they did in our more modern times there are people who have epithets as well still today mel Blanc, he was the man who had over a thousand different voices for various cartoons Um, His epithet on his tombstone says, that's all, folks. Rodney Dangerfield said, there goes the neighborhood. But what's going to be said about you? And I think as we look at this passage, this passage instructs us and teaches us what we should desire, what we should hope to have said about us as we um, work through our life, And as we consider um, what is God going to think about us, I think this passage tells us um, how we should be striving to live so that something positive, something good, something honorable, something noble can be said about us when we die. If you would take your Bibles and let's read 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel 13 verse 1. Saul reigned, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself three thousand men of Israel. Two thousand were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, and saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it, heard it and said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines and the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines heard, gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand of the sea which is on the seashore in multitude and they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Bethaven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits, and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, "Bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me." And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, and he, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, "What have you done?" Saul said when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God and that he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people present with him, about six hundred men. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that it is true, that it is faithful, and that we can learn how we are to uh, respond to you. We pray that you would give us a heart that is after your own, and one that seeks to follow your commands in faithful obedience. In your name we pray, amen. As we begin to look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we begin to study the passage, you see that... The story begins by describing initial success. Saul faces initial success. He's doing well. He's accomplishing great things. And his, his reign begins, and it's interesting. Um, there's there's a textual discussion on what exactly verse 1 means. But Saul reigned for a period of time, and then when he had reigned for two years, Saul chose for himself 3,000 3, men of Israel. And he, he establishes those people, and he has 2,000 of them with him at Michmash, and 1,000 of them are with his son Jonathan at uh, Gibeah. And, and so he, he's accomplishing great things. He's, he's leading as he should, and he has them positioned strategically so that they are fit to respond to uh, military uh, necessities that might present themselves. And Jonathan, we see, leads a successful initial assault as he begins. He attacks the garrison that was at Geba, and he won. He defeated them. And, and you might think, and I might think, wow, that's an exciting victory. That's an exciting thing that has happened in the text. Now Israel will be able to defeat the Philistines, and once they defeat the Philistines, they'll be able to continue to live in faithfulness and honor to God. And yet, as we continue to read through the text, that's not really what happens. And so this initial success, while it's, it's awesome, it really doesn't go far enough. It's interesting, as you continue to read through the text, uh, Saul hears about the victory and he calls the Israelites and he says, Hear it and gather together with me at Gilgal. And we don't know exactly why he chose Gilgal. Um, it, it seems that maybe this is this is the fulfillment or him following the instructions that he was given in chapter 10, verse 8. That's a possibility, um, though it's, it, it's difficult to know for certain. But in chapter 10, verse 8, he says, You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings seven days you shall wait till i come to you and show you what you should do it's interesting they do go to gilgal earlier in chapter 11 or chapter 10 i forget which um it's chapter 11 and they get there but it's actually samuel who's the one who calls them there so it's not like samuel maybe is necessarily um coming to saul but rather Saul is coming to Samuel. But here, Saul calls for the people to come to Gilgal. and It appears as if military success is on the horizon, that they are going to achieve what God desires, that they will have the promised land given to the nation Israel. And the nation Israel will no longer have the the menace of the Philistines surrounding them and terrorizing them. But as we continue to work through the text, you see that there's only partial obedience. And Saul is actually not following all that God desires for him to do. Saul is only partially obedient, and as such, he is actually disobedient. And the same thing is true of you and I. As we as we encounter God's word, and as we look at God's word, and we see God's word says, I'm supposed to do this or that. And we do part of this, or we do part of Part of that what actually happens is we're living in disobedience and that's going to be a big problem that's going to it's going to cause great repercussions for Saul and also for the nation Israel as we continue to work our way through the text. And, and and so you see that there's a, a there's an imposing force that the Philistines gather. It's it's much much larger than the the Israelite forces. It has thirty thousand chariots and six thousand horsemen and people as a sand in which the seashore is is on the seashore in multitude, and, and so they're gathering together to fight against uh, the nation Israel. And here is Saul just kind of waiting. And as he waits, he begins to become fearful. He's a he's afraid. And so are the people. And so you continue reading and you see in verse six that the, the people see the danger, and as they see this danger, they, they, they grow distressed and they become worried. I mean, I would be worried too, even if these were the three thousand best soldiers in the camp, there's still only three thousand verses. 30,000 plus 6,000 plus foot soldiers who are like the sand of the seashore. That's a huge force to fight against. It's very scary. And, and so what happens? The men of Israel begin to leave Saul's side. They're no longer faithfully serving. They no longer desire to go to war with him. And as this happens, he's watching his troops dwindle. Not only are people not coming to join him, But actually the 3,000 people that he initially had are actually going to diminish to the point where he only has 600 troops with him in verse 15. And you can see why he would grow distressed, why he would be anxious, why he would be maybe worried at this time. And the fact that Saul becomes fearful actually leads Saul to disobedience. He doesn't look at this instance of fear in his life and say, this provides me with an opportunity to turn to God in faith and trust. This provides me with an opportunity to yearn for Christ, to love Christ more. Instead, he looks at it and he says, this means I have to find a means by which I am going to find a solution on my own. And You and I are are prone to do the same thing. We encounter times of hardship. And as we look at those times of hardship, times of difficulties, our solution all too often is to say, I'm going to find a solution on my own. I've, I've tried obedience for a while, but it just didn't work. And so I'm going to find a solution on my own. And that's what Saul does. As we continue to work through the text in the middle of verse 7, he was still in Galgal and all the people followed him were trembling and he waited the seven days. He partially obeyed. But at the end of the seven days, what happens? He saw that the people were scattered and he says, bring a burnt offering to me. And this is where his problem is And this is where our problem is Too often We know that God has told us Do this or do that And we do this or that To an extent And yet the circumstances in life Seem to grow to an insurmountable point And they present an imposing Difficult situation and as that situation demonstrates itself, we throw our hands up in the air we say, This is much more scary than I thought it was. This is a, it is a scary situation. I, I've tried obedience. I know that I'm supposed to grow in my relationship with God. I know that I'm supposed to know Him better. And I know that the Bible tells me that as I know Christ better in the hardships of life, I'll be able to face them and honor him and glorify him and and grow in my hope and in my faith. But this situation seems insurmountable. And what do we do? We turn to our own means of solving the situation. The text continues, though. And, and and so he calls and he brings the burnt offering, and it now happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, and that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And this is where Saul really points us to his heart and he tells us exactly what his motives and his desires were in this whole situation. In verse 11, and Samuel said, or Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered before me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. The fear creeps in. And as the fear creeps in, Saul looks around him. He becomes afraid. And he says, This situation is insurmountable. I will take matters into my own hand. I will fail to live in faithful obedience. And you and I do the same thing when it comes to our relationship with knowing God and pursuing Him in the trials of life. You and I do the same thing when it comes to our desire to serve our fellow brother and sister in Christ. We know that we're supposed to be serving one another. We know that we're supposed to be discipling one another. And we do that for a time. And then we become discouraged by the situation or we decide that it's not worth our time. And what do we do? We decide that we will pursue another means by which to solve the situation. And yet the means that God has provided for the situation is that you and I would continue to serve, that you and I would continue to disciple our fellow brother or sister in Christ. A very similar situation happens with our, with our neighbors, with our loved ones around us. You and I know that we are supposed to be faithfully reaching out, faithfully pointing them to Christ. We know that. And yet in the midst of difficult situations, what do you and I do? You and I are all too often, we're prone to look at the situation and say, You know, I I know that I'm supposed to reach out to my neighbor. I know that I'm supposed to demonstrate the love of Christ to them. I know that I'm supposed to point them to the hope that is in Christ Jesus. I know that I'm supposed to tell them that they are a sinner, that they stand condemned before a holy, righteous God. But there's hope. They don't have to go down that road alone. That Jesus Christ came to the earth, that he died for their sins, and that they can receive forgiveness through his sacrifice. We know that. And yet it's so much easier for us as we as we care for our neighbors, as we love our neighbors, to instead say, you know, I'll do something nice for them instead. I'm not saying don't do nice things. I want you to do nice things. But if all we ever do is help them mow their lawn, if all we ever do is help them bring up their trash can, is get their mail when they're on vacation, or tell them that, you know, We'll bring them a meal when they're sick. And we never point them to Christ. We're not living in obedience as Christ wants us to. And it's partial obedience. But it's not full obedience. And so it's disobedience. As you finish up the text, you see that disobedience actually brings God's judgment. Initial success is great, but initial success... If that's all you have, leaves you in a really sad, desperate place. Partial obedience is great, but it's just that, it's partial. And it ultimately means that you're living in disobedience. And the danger with that is that you will in some way bring about God's judgment. In verses 13 through uh, 15, you see that there is judgment and so Samuel hears why Saul responded in this way. He was fearful and he chose to cease living in obedience, to cease waiting for God's fulfillment of the prophecy that he somehow got. Whether it's 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 8 or some other uh, message that Saul received from Samuel, he knew that he was supposed to wait. And yet he fails to live in obedience, and as he fails to live in obedience, what does Saul say? To Samuel say to Saul, "You have done foolishly; you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom." shall not continue the lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart and the lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the lord commanded you it's a really sad a really scary situation that we face in this in, in these verses and you and I, as we, as we go through life and as we encounter God's instructions, you're supposed to be pursuing Christ. You're supposed to know Christ better. You and I are supposed to be serving our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You and I are supposed to be loving our neighbors. We're supposed to be pointing them to who Christ is. And as you and I do those things and fail. And we're actually only partially doing those things. We we fail to spend the time that we should devoted to knowing Christ. We fail to read God's word, to spend time in prayer seeking after God's heart. As you and I fail to purposely find ways to disciple our children, as you and I fail to find ways to To draw one another closer to Christ through our conversations. As you and I fail to point our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members to who Christ is. What we're actually doing is we're living foolishly. And Samuel calls Saul out on it. He says, you live foolishly. Why? Because you thought partial obedience was good enough. And the same thing is true of us. As, as we live in partial obedience to God's word, it's foolish. God wants us to live in unwavering obedience to his word. And when you and I fail to do that, it's foolish. It's always foolish. The text moves on, though, and it tells us how God is going to punish Saul and tells him, your kingdom would have been established. God would have made your dynasty last forever. You could have had the dynasty that lasted forever in Israel. But because of your disobedience, because of your partial obedience, because of your foolishness, instead, that will end. And instead, God says, I have commanded somebody else To take command of my people. Why? Because he's going to follow my commands. You get the big idea? God wants us to follow his commands. And when you and I follow after God's commands, when you and I live in faithful obedience to God's word, that makes you and I somebody who is following after the Lord's heart. If you and I want the epithet to be said of us that here lies a man or a woman who followed after God's heart, it requires that you and I live in obedience, live in faithfulness to God's word. Otherwise, what's going to be said of us? If we persistently live in, in only partial obedience to God's word and are not seeking to devote ourselves fully to God's revealed truth we're living in foolishness God wants God commands my faithfulness to him God commands your faithfulness to him How does 1 Samuel chapter 13 verses 1 through 15 call us to live differently I think sometimes we have the the desire or the inclination to look back at our past success. And we look at our initial success and we rejoice in that. But just like in Saul's life, that initial success, that initial military victory is completely insufficient. I think another thing is sometimes we think, you know, I, I partially obey. I obey a lot of what God wants me to do. You know, I I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church, I give. Isn't that enough? And the answer is no. There's more that God wants you to be involved in. He wants you to be involved in pointing others to who he is. He wants you to be involved in discipling, bringing up the next generation of believers who are going to continue the ministry that you have seen. Because your initial success is great, but we can't let it end there. Your disobedience brings God's judgment. And while that disobedience is drastically different from Or that judgment is drastically different from the judgment that Saul faces in this text. You and I don't have a dynasty that has been promised to you. And yet, there is the danger that you and I could be judged. That we could lose some of the rewards that God has available for us for faithfulness to him. And so pursue faithfulness. Why? Because you don't want to lose the rewards that God has available for those who faithfully serve him. For those who faithfully live before him. And then finally, your faithful obedience demonstrates a heart that is following after God. Maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering, what will be put on my tombstone? What is my epithet? What will people say about me when I die? And if you want to know if God looks down at your tombstone and says, There lies a man or a woman who followed after my heart. That is actually a test that you and I can know that we can perform on our own selves we can we can look at God's word and we can say what are the commands what are the instructions that God has given me and are you and I living in obedience to those commands are you and I living faithfully before God in those areas and if you say you know I'm I'm only partially Doing what I'm supposed to do to pursue Christ-likeness. I'm only partially pursuing a knowledge of God. I, I, I half-heartedly read God's word. I half-heartedly think through my prayer life. I half-heartedly seek to serve other believers. I half-heartedly seek to point my neighbors to who Christ is. Then we are being Foolish friends we're being foolish and worse yet we're not following after God's heart and what God wants from you and from me is that we would follow him with our complete heart ready to serve him in whatever way possible in faithful obedience let's go to the Lord and a word of prayer Father, we do thank you for the reminders that you give us from Saul's life. God, as we look at the passage of scripture and we see how, how easy it is for us to respond in a foolish way to your instruction, to your commands. We're saddened by the life of Saul. But at times we also look at our own lives and we see where we have failed in very similar ways in it. It's mournful to think of the many times that we have acted foolishly before you. We pray that as we, as we take time to meditate on the sermon, as we take time to meditate on your word, that you would help us to see areas in our life where we are failing to live in obedience to your word. We pray that if we we see those areas, that you would help us to pursue change, whether it be uh, pursuing an, another faithful. A believer to come alongside us and to encourage us in those areas or or maybe it's something that we know what we need to do and we just need to do it we pray that you would help us to to pursue faithfulness to pursue obedience to be people who are described as pursuing after your heart in your name we pray amen well thank you for joining us Uh, We'll be meeting again, once again, at 6 p.m. this evening, and we'll be looking at Genesis chapter uh, 26, 34 through 28, verse 9. If you don't have a place where you regularly worship, you're more than welcome to join us at that time. Thank you.